0: everybody, this is Kendall, this is Recording Lounge Podcast, I'm here with Daniel. Daniel, that's me. Daniel, okay. <laughs> um, and we are here the week of the 21st. I think I'm here. Christmas, I mean physically. Physically, okay, physically I'm here. Yeah. Um. Physically. Now this is the week of Christmas.
1: Week Woo-hoo! of Christmas. Week. Traffic has been bad. Traffic has been stupid. I had to go to a wedding yesterday in uh, Arkansas, that was... A time. I bet that
0: was bad getting out. It was stupid. Everyone's we were
1: gonna on- go out to eat, but I was like, no, not going to eat anything. on the
0: road. Just make a sandwich. Eat I could go road. for some Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> this show is going to be the third episode in our series of starting/slash maintaining a project studio. This one's all about microphones, preamps, and the signal path. Uh, a lot to cover yeah but much more interesting cover. sometimes much, well, much, much e- not necessarily interesting, but much easier to talk about,
1: yeah, it's something that at least people they can at least be judged or yeah, put into easier. physical relativity because yeah, we could
0: actually do a lot more it it's a lot easier to test things like mics and do shootouts yeah. than it is to do like converter shootouts' cause that's that's, true. that's a very difficult thing to test. Alright, so, some of the biggest news that we just want to mention, because it's brand new, is that uh, Pro Tools 8.0.3 just came out. Uh, Me and Daniel don't use Pro Tools as our main DAW, we're more Cubase Nuendo fans. However, now, some of the things about the new update is that it supposedly has fixed over 100 software bugs, and also, that's included with a number of improvements, too that are the, quote, most suggested, and one thing they're saying is that it's now more compatible with both Snow Leopard and Windows 7.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Snow Leopard, you say? (laughs) Did you repeat that?
0: Snow Leopard. Is that some sort of
1: operating system, or is it an animal? I'm confused. (laughs) Snow Leopard.
0: So, today, our show, we've got a lot to cover, but it's uh, very accessible, very useful information, and... We want to clear up some things that people might not know or people might be confused about in regards to recording microphones and live microphones and preamps and signal path. It's true. So the first thing we want to talk about in the show is just some basic information about microphones in general. There are basically three kinds of microphones, and these are condenser, dynamic, and ribbon. And we're going to talk about them individually, so Daniel, why don't you take condenser?
1: Alright, condenser mics. Condenser mics use electromagnetic induction to uh, supply the actual sound from the polar um, part of the capsule, which actually uses static electricity to. Uh, amplify your voice or pick up your voice, and then or you know, whatever. preamp amplifies the voice. Anyways, these are normally used for bo vocals, acoustic instruments, overheads, strings, things that need a little bit more sensitivity, things you want to hear more of. So, if you're like overheads, you want to be able to hear the clarity and symbols. so you wouldn't want to mic it up with a 50, 57. Um, vocals, same kind of thing. Actually, well, some that's not necessarily true. Vocals, you could use 57 of course. Oh yeah, but, yeah, but definitely. But if you're going
0: for clarity. Overall clarity, sensitivity. Seems like, seems like female voices need a condenser mic. Generally, yeah. I've used an R, yeah. the RE20. A lot of rock will use fifty sevens yeah. and dynamic mics, but the SM7s. And, yeah, strings are
1: important. Pianos too, that they have uh, uh, condensers. That's not ex- like if you, you
0: can use any mic, of course. But these are what pick up these the strings and the, the, the pianos have like that high-end clarity yeah. that you really need to capture well because. So much of what a piano is is, and, and same thing, any stringed instrument. Piano is a stringed instrument, and it's also a percussion instrument. and acoustic guitar and like violin, those things have that sort of glistening. I can't even explain it. Yeah, that high end that's needs to be captured well. They're a little more sensitive, of course.
1: I guess they're a little more fragile. Not, I mean, I mean, of course, you don't want to drop any thousand dollar piece of equipment, but in the sense that if you do, it could break. I guess any $1,000 yeah. piece of equipment, if you drop it, could break unless it's like... Most
0: likely. Unless it's like $1, a yeah. $1,000 piece of steel. Yeah. Which, you got ripped off. Yeah. you bought that. <laughs> yeah, you did.
1: Anyway. Um, fairly high SPL handling, but uh, usually not nearly what a dynamic mic can handle. Sometimes flattering, sometimes not. Usually brighter, a little more detailed. We've gone into that. Um, these mics can be either tube, solid state, <clears throat> <or> digital. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: gosh. <laughs> Digital mics.
1: Uh, okay, well,
0: a tube mic's got a tube in it, a vacuum tube in it. And tubes are something that, uh, if you've been in the audio industry or, or guitar industry for a second, you know what a tube is. And <laughs> you should know that a tube amp sounds better than a solid-state amp, always, 100% of the time. 100. Unless if you're just one of those guys who yeah, wants to save the earth. Whatever. However, solid-state electronics in recording... Is not You can't and should not assume that just because a tube amp is better than a solid-state amp, a tube preamp or tube mic is not better than a solid-state mic or solid-state preamp. They're very different. It's just saying that the, the difference is between a tube mic has a valve chain and the solid-state mic has a field-effect transistor in it. It's now, really
1: just difference in opinion, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. It goes for what kind of sound you're wanting for your album or recording.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't always mean that a tube is going to sound warm and solid state is not. That usually means that just the way it kind of has its tone. Generally, a tube is a little warmer and a solid state is a little more edgier or punchier or something. Uh, <laughs> but there are, I can't really, I don't really know how to describe it. There are so many of the standards. It's hard to know, describe
1: sounds a lot of the time. Yeah,
0: because you're getting into just people, you know, oh, is it warm or is it? punchy or is it there's so many other terms you could describe yeah. it with that... now for example some of the most used mics in the industry are like a U47, a U67, those are two mics. However, U87 that's not very an also very popular mic. Even one of the most. one of the most popular mics and find all... a studio without it besides here. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we don't have. <laughs> We've also got stuff like the SM57, the world standard for pretty much any snare drum there is really, you could go ahead and say
1: not standard for anything, but used in anything.
0: Pretty much, you can I mean, use a sna- you can use a fifty seven on just about anything. So, I mean,
1: and there's a good reason why. I mean, it's, it sounds uh, good. It does. I mean, I mean, the only thing I really, if 90- you can avoid
0: it at all costs, try not to use a fifty seven on acoustic guitar. Yes, and cymbals. Just yeah, <laughs> don't sound that good.
1: It doesn't sound good, but then again, if you're using it for like another like a distorted mic or a room mic that you want to add kind of a, you want to reamp it or whatever. I mean, you can do all sorts of stuff with fifty-seven. Definitely, fifty-seven's
0: like literally my favorite it, mic. It
1: yeah, but they're they're pretty much literally probably everyone's favorite mic. I mean, yeah. when it comes, they're a hundred bucks. It, it's the best buy your studio will ever have. If you don't have one, you need uh, four. You need yeah, five thousand. You need a. Uh, Four you can get them those. on eBay for like fifty bucks. I need four of those and four <laughs> forty fifties, <50s. laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you're good. Okay, so nice that leads us on. well <laughs> into our second type of microphone, which is a dynamic microphone. Yes. These are usually used for things like amps, drums, vocals, and things like that. As we said, they don't. Most people hardly ever use them for overheads or cymbals or anything with that top end that we were talking about earlier. The yeah. stringed instruments, pianos. I mean. It just doesn't... They're not as sensitive. They don't pick up the high end and the... They don't really pick up things as detailed as condenser mics.
1: I mean, that's not to say they can't pick up some detailed things, but I mean, it's just... Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, vocals are a really complex sound. Probably the most complex sound, really, but... In the end, you'll learn a lot of the things in this industry are just
1: preference. Yeah, and we're
0: using dynamic mics right now. Yes. And they sound good. On voice, so... Anyway... The good thing about these mics is that they're extremely durable they last for a long time. And they can handle really high levels of sound. Bono has used an sm fifty seven sm fifty eight you know s m seven on his voice and those are all dynamics and it's just,
1: not like it's a problem with money you know it's just preference yeah I mean
0: bono can <laughs> use any mic in the world that any. he wants to and he chooses to use a fifty eight most of the time or beta fifty eight and it's just a lot of it has to do with the source and how it reacts. And the, really you're going to see that most with things like vocals and acoustic guitars because there's so much character involved in those, those sources that, gosh, I've recorded some people who I've put up a 414 on their voice and it sounds great. And then you put up a 57 and they're just, it just something about it just sounds great. Yeah. Last microphone type is a ribbon mic.
1: Ribbon mic. Generally, well, these are older. These were technically... The first kind of mic, I believe, weren't they? I still don't... I'm still not sure. Ribbon mics, really old. Um, (laughs) Well known (laughs) for a big band, you know. Back in the day. Um, Frank Sinatra. You you think Frank Sinatra, you think ribbon.
0: Wow. Or or tube. Yeah. Well, yeah, tube. Old tube mic. Yes. (laughs) They were singing back into these RCAs, though, back in the day. I mean, those were... Those mm-hmm. huge, like boxy looking microphones you've always seen. That's probably an RCA ribbon mic.
1: Yeah. Generally, these are used for things like horns, uh, sometimes strings, uh, overhead, sometimes uh, guitar amps, a lot. Generally, they're a lot darker, but usually very uh, old, kind of a warm sound. Ribbon mic uses a literal ribbon to pick
0: up your voice. It's made of, like, uh, aluminum, aluminum, I, th- I think maybe. So. I think so. Uh, they call it a ribbon element, and it's basically, if you can imagine taking a strip of paper, you know, like an inch by 12 inches, and folding it in a zigzag sort of pattern, that's kind of what you're dealing with. And this little, tiny, I mean, the size of, like, a hair element is capturing the sound, and that's what that's what makes them really fragile.
1: You could stick in front of a snare drum, and it'd probably be fine for a little bit, but... You know, Depending like on how much air it, it
0: moves, because yes. de- some ribbon mics can handle a high SPL level, but a lot of them are about midway, but they can't handle a lot of air. Like You could, you could bust one by blowing in it too hard. Yeah, yeah, you really could. And you could put one in front of a kick drum hole, and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you are done. Now, this brings us to an old debate about phantom power and ribbon mics, which is, does phantom power destroy ribbon mics? And the answer is generally no. Now... A quick surge of phantom power with the wrong connectors can damage it. But the old, a lot of the old consoles had phantom power on all the time. You could mm-hmm. never turn it off. And they use ribbon mics. A lot of it's about how you connect it. I mean, if you turn, if you turn on the console, connect the ribbon mic, mm-hmm. then turn up the gain and the fader, you're probably safe. Now, if you had the gain and the fader up and then you plugged in the ribbon mic while that was up maybe it would have damaged it i don't know now it could be very damaging yeah
1: very damaging
0: indeed now, indeed damaging now all of this isn't really <laughs> to scare you out of using ribbon mics because they sound great i mean yeah.
1: cascade makes a great i mean virtually cheap priceless i mean they're they're great seriously they, they are. are like
0: they're they are undeniably amazing. one of the best deals in pro audio, I mean, and that's the Cascade like Fathead. Same,
1: same thing with 57. I mean, not expensive. It's kind of the same thing, really. Yeah. It's like 219 for fat for a fathead. They're yeah. And they are incredible. They are
0: beautiful mics made by a company called Cascade, and you can go to cascademicrophones.com, I think is their website, and the Fathead is this ribbon mic that is easily comparable to mics twice, three times, four times the price. And to be honest, it doesn't really sound as good as like the Royer R121, yeah. but it sounds darn darn close and it sounds incredible. I mean, if you're looking for that nice ribbon sound, it's look a no great further. way to get into I mean, ribbons too because if you're wondering what a w- ribbon sounds like and you want a mic that does sound good on a lot of things, overheads, two fat heads on overheads sounds incredible. On guitar amps, they sound great on guitar amps. Like, really, really good. Nice and deep and dark. Really punchy. Those mics are. have got to be some of the punchiest mics I've ever heard. If you haven't heard a ribbon mic, you haven't ever used one, I would say try, try to find somewhere online. I think the Cascade website, even. Just give them a they, listen. They do have samples yeah. on Cascade. Give them a listen and just listen to how it sounds compared to, like, an SM57. A lot of times the cascade sounds better. It's yeah. not as kind of mid rangey, and it's it's a great mic. I own one, so I can I can totally say that out of confidence. Now we move on to microphone <clears throat> sizes, and when we say size, we don't mean like the physical size of the microphone. We mean like diaphragm yes. size, yes.
1: which is the capsule inside the condenser microphone that
0: actually moves sound. with yes. the sound and, and creates a sound that goes it's into really the microphone a, cable. Like a cool.
1: Like, thought of how it works. It is.
0: Whoever designed a microphone, I don't know. I'm interested. I want to see the guy. I want to meet the guy or girl.
1: Or girl <laughs> or who designed
0: girl. a microphone. <laughs> Sizes we've got to consider. Large diaphragm, small diaphragm and medium diaphragm which we'll get into that later. A large diaphragm microphone condenser or dynamic has usually a diaphragm that's like three quarters of an inch or an inch or greater. A lot of large diaphragm microphones are used for vocals acoustic instruments. Things that have a lot, uh, a huge like frequency range, usually large diaphragm mic- microphones, because they have bigger surface area, pick up low-end better. That's why a lot of the kick drum microphones you see have a huge diaphragm. They're like two or three-inch yeah. diaphragm. Like the Beta 52 is a huge mic. Then you've got microphones that are small diaphragm, and that means that the diaphragm is smaller than an inch or three-quarters of an inch, somewhere around there. Smaller than that. Usually these have a better and more detailed, more accurate high and mid-range. So for these, you tend, you tend to have a little less low-end, not necessarily a weak low-end, but not as predominant as in a large diaphragm mic. These sizes bring us into talking about small diaphragm condensers versus large diaphragm condensers, also small diaphragm dynamics and large diaphragm dynamics.
1: Small diaphragm condensers uh, are usually used on acoustic instruments, cymbals, uh, toms, generally not amps. Uh, Cymbals, because they have that smaller diaphragm, they can pick up higher end frequencies a little better. Acoustic instruments, kind of the same thought behind that. They sound great. They pick up ambience really well. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: That's a good point.
1: Examples of this would be uh, SM81s, uh, what are uh, uh, AKG-451s, also the... Neumann KM uh, 184s, which we just got. Yeah, awesome. You just got a pair of them. Amazing in. mics. Yes, I, they're really light. They're awkwardly yeah, light. Yeah, they
0: weigh, they weigh nothing. Seriously. I had an argument that I could probably swallow one, really. I mean, and they probably, if you had the same amount of volume, of water, it would weigh more. It would. <laughs> they're that
1: light. So you it pick them up. Same amount of volume of anything, probably. I mean, besides yeah. styrofoam. Actually, maybe styrofoam. <laughs> I don't have, know. They're pretty light. should do an
0: experiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The AKG 451s on toms with the pad on, of course. And they just, I love them. They sound phenomenal on toms. They're so clear. And because they're condensers, they usually have a wide frequency response. Most of the low-end power from a kit comes from, like, the low tom, the snare, and the kick. Anyway. All right. Small diaphragm dynamics. Generally, I don't know. You don't hear this term a lot. You don't hear small diaphragm dynamic a lot, but what that usually is is something like an SM57 or an SM58 or an Audix i5. Uh, These are used a lot on amps, drums, vocals. They're not used a lot on acoustic instruments. You won't see many people using an SM57 on an acoustic guitar. You just... You can. You certainly can, but... It's just not as detailed. Usually has a pretty good mid range, seems to have a pronounced mid range in most (laughs) dynamics, but that's what makes them great for things like drums and guitar amps, especially guitar amps like for just rhythm, for just some of the standard ways to mic a guitar amp is with a 57, like an inch away from the center of the cone. That and also 57 right up against the cone at a 45-degree angle. Those are pretty much the two standard ways to record a guitar combo amp with, like, a 112 speaker. That's, yeah. I, I I like the 45-degree angle one. I've been using that a lot lately.
1: I kind of like backing it
0: up. Yeah, yeah. Backing up, getting kind of the room in there, too. Definitely. That's, a, I, That's I, like, I like using two mics, you know, but if I yeah. use a 57... Pitch that, you we push talk, that one up. And yeah, then. we talked about that some in the last episode, how... Uh, mic space a lot of times equals depth. Yeah. So, I mean, if you put something, if you put a mic an inch away from a speaker, it's going to record like it's an inch away from the speaker. and Yeah.
1: That it's can be good and bad. Your, and stick your ear there, that's what...
0: That's what it's going to sound yeah. like. <laughs> so, yeah. the thing is... Actually, it's going to
1: sound a lot quieter, hopefully. I mean, that yeah. would really suck sticking your ear. Uh, large diaphragm condensers. Uh, these mics are normally used on vocals, again, because of the clarity. Acoustic instruments... uh just about, really, um, you could use them on anything. When it comes down to it, you could use them on anything. Um, universal, great, awesome. Probably the most common, the single most common thought of mic when you think large diaphragm condenser is probably the U47. Or the U87. U87, sorry. Either one. 87. Uh, then you got 414s. A
0: mic that's somewhat uh, forgotten is a large <laughs> diaphragm dynamic. These mics are generally used in broadcasts, kind of like what we're doing now. Right now, we're using large diaphragm dynamics, we're using an SM7, and Daniel's using an RE20. So these mics are, I like to use the RE20 on kick drum, I've used it on low tom, I've used it on guitar amps, I mean the SM7 I've used on kick, SM7 sounds great on voice. These mics are extremely versatile, and they're generally somewhere between, like, 300 to 800. I mean, you can get more than that, I'm sure, but yeah. I, the RE20 is, like, 400, and the SM7 is 350. And Now, kick mics are large diaphragm dynamics, too, like the D112, the AKG D112, and the uh, Beta 52. Medium diaphragm microphones are just somewhere in between. The only company I've really seen use the medium diaphragm term is yeah. Octava. There is your basic exposition of microphones. Now we move on to one of my favorite parts is the preamp. A preamp is the device (laughs) that brings the microphone up to line level using, you know, whatever electronics that you use, solid state or tube. Preamps can range tonally from extremely clear and clean, like a millennia, to really warm, like a Neve 1073 or an API or Great River or Great river. Or docking. They make awesome stuff. Great river. Anyway, what you got to look for in preamps when you're kind of starting your studio or maintaining your studio or just redoing stuff or getting rid of stuff or upgrading, whatever. It's, it's really difficult sometimes because some of the best stuff is single channel. Yeah, so it's expensive. Yeah. Neve 1073s come single channel. You can get them in, I think it's a three rack space unit. They come sideways mounted from Vintage King. And those things are a good thirty five hundred bucks each. And they're amazing. They really are. But there are preamps out there that are really good and they're not thirty-five hundred dollars a channel. Then you get stuff like A Designs has the Pacifica and that's gaining a whole lot of popularity. That's about a thousand bucks a channel. You've got API, which is generally somewhere between five hundred and a thousand bucks a channel depending on how you buy it and api is one of the other standards of the industry and i love api i use api a lot and they just sound great sound amazing for drums and guitars and rock music and then you've got stuff like we said like millennia and a lot of george massenberg stuff that's it's super clean really tries to make it as transparent as possible and me and daniel aren't fans of that but you, the, yeah. There's a statement made by some that is you can always dirty up dirty it up later with saturation plugins or yeah. running it to tape. So sometimes you might want the cleanest signal chain possible by using a really clean preamp. Yeah. Just kind of an it's really an opinion thing, and you got to consider though a lot of records made that were really popular in the '70s and '60s that people love. A lot of that stuff was recorded with analog consoles with tape and tube microphones and all kinds of saturation. So. Before you think that you might want something super clean and detailed, you might consider that a lot of your favorite records, just look it up. Look up how some of your favorite records yeah. were recorded.
1: Or just think about how you want your stuff to sound. Yeah, if and you want it to, to sound it.
0: old, you're pretty much going to guarantee an old type electronics from something like a Neve or API. Now we move on to preamp theories. These are conceptions of like what preamps in case and different parts that have to do with when you're considering buying preamps and what to look for. One of the big questions is, uh, people
1: wonder, is tubes are better. Are tubes better? What's the deal with tubes? Are yeah. tubes better? I mean Tube preamps? Are they... Um, yes. Um, as we said earlier, in guitar amps, undoubtedly, in my opinion, I guess anything in this industry is opinion technically, yeah. but undoubtedly, in my opinion, tube amps, like guitar amps or uh, bass amps, any kind of amp for an amping instrument. up an instrument sounds better. sounds better, period, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to preamps, though, it's completely different because it's more of a matter of taste, what you want your stuff to sound like. Um, just because a preamp has tubes, it won't always sound better, per se, but... Um, a lot of the times it I mean, we talked about saturation, it adds saturation. Sometimes you might not want that. I mean, I've heard a lot, a lot of sixties, seventies albums that obviously use tube amps that I hated the sound of. They just yeah. sounded too too much saturation, honestly, it just sounded too thick like bad.
0: Really, I mean And a lot of that has to do with the player and the exact recording session, the yeah. mics they used and but a lot of times in the <laughs> old days they were using tube mics with tube preamps into you know, tape. And that's super dark. Now, a lot of things you have to consider, though, they don't make tube consoles. You know, they just yeah. don't.
1: Some of the best-known preamps in the world are solid-state electronics like Neve 1073s, uh, API 500 series, Quad 8, um a lot of other stuff.
0: That leads us kind of into what we were saying a second ago about tube stacking. Do, are you using tube mics into tube preamps? I mean, is that the sort of saturation you want? Or I mean, some people say, I know Charles Dye on the Project Studio Network podcast mentioned that he doesn't like to stack tubes. He likes to use a tube mic with a solid-state pre and vice versa. And that's just a matter of preference. I think that's a good idea. I think in a lot of ways that has a totally legitimate point. Sometimes you don't want something that sounds really, really tube.
1: If you use different preamps for all sorts of different things and different mics also, which you always use different mics, but... Neither here nor there. Um, the song might require a bit more EQ because uh, it sounds different. There are tonal differences. There are lots. Of, all preamps are different. That's why people go out and they say, oh, let's get some APIs. Let's also get this. But they sometimes you intend to mix them. But like if you're going to record a drum set with, let's say here, you got four API and then you're going to use two tube preamps. I mean, you're going to have to deal with that later. Definitely. You know. You have to deal with it whether you're using whether are using PreSonus or whatever you're doing. I mean, Presonus, what well, that's one of the nice things about that is because it comes with eight. It comes with eight. So you, you can, could record a whole drum kit with you, just those eight. I mean, you could. I mean
0: And yeah. honestly, it would probably sound better to use one Presonus on the full kit rather than using four different stereo preamps yes. to get the same eight. Because And, and, and that's then, I mean, that's not always the case. But yeah. the thing is the, For in the, the old days sound. in the old days there were more people were using the consoles for their preamps, and then they used outboard stuff for their tonal shaping. And so everything kind of had this, like, pre-EQ color to it. That It was like as soon as it went in, the sounds... If you had an API console, all the sounds had an API sound to them initially. All the drums, the snare drum and the toms and the overheads had that API sound. And that's something that was really helpful because... Just the initial tone tonality of the raw sounds was similar. That's why we suggest here at Recording Lounge use the same preamp for for a single element. Yes. As in, I mean, you can, if you're recording a band, two guitars, bass, singer, backup singer and a drum kit...
1: If you were like you like you could still split the two guitars in a definitely different, and use whatever preamps. preamps you want. Now, now you could you might use a different the same for both of them. Yeah,
0: you could use the same, but be, since it's usually just mono or one or two mics or maybe three mics on a guitar amp, depending, that's up to you. you that's that tone is up to you. But for something like a drum kit, you got to be really careful about mixing preamps. You really do because it's not that it's going to be harder to mix really or it's not that it's going to be like it's going to sound bad it's just going to be a little easier if they were all the same and it's going to sound a little more tightly knit like it's a drum set and for things like I mean this might sound really basic but we want to say it if you're recording something in stereo use the same preamp for left and right as close as you can use the settings as close (laughs) as you can so if you're doing a drum a thought, kit.
1: That's the whole thought
0: of stereo. Yeah, right? you want it to sound like your ears, and your yes. ears don't, you know. The last r- topic we're really going to talk about for preamps is preamp prices. It's in your best interest to get something useful for you. The yes. Digimax D8 is one of the best values there is. You can get them on eBay for like yeah, 350 Plus, there's
1: the ones that are comes interface, Comes too. with interface, yeah, like I mean, the Fire are,
0: Studio. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Digimax D8 is eight preamps, And that's it. There's no fancy controls. It's just eight preamps in and out. uh, makes one also. And a lot of different companies are making those eight preamps sort of. The thing is something you've seen a lot more of recently uh, within the last ten years or so. And it's a good
1: idea, especially for Project Studios. Definitely. Great Um, way
0: to start out. And honestly, just keep it around. Just keep it around because you'll probably need it later. Let's say... You're recording, you know, when you're in your multi-million dollar facility winning Grammys and you have an API console and you still have your Digimax D8 lying around and you want to use something for a, a talkback mic or, or something, like, it's yeah. good to just have around, just to have as an extra. If you want to, like, throw it in the drummer's pocket and distort it and put a chorus on it or something, you know, yeah. I mean, you're always going to need another <laughs> preamp channel as extra. Yeah, and, and hear the secret but silent. If you want something good... We would suggest doing a two-channel preamp, something like an A Design Pacifica, yeah. or a four-channel preamp, something like an API or the Docking Four, I think it's called. Yeah. Or th- that stuff is really great and really has a great value because you're packing four preamps or two preamps into one chassis, one single rack. Which also ch-
1: helps, like whenever you buy 500 series, you can sometimes the differences in the channels will be noticeable. So.
0: There's some preamps made in what's called, like, I think it's called lunchbox style, and that's like the Focusrite ISA and like the Universal Audio 610, where it's like a brick. And speaking oh, okay. of the brick, there's like the groove tubes brick, and yeah. then there's like the docking one. Yes. And those are like a single channel preamp, and those are really great. If you want just like one great preamp, the Universal Audio 710 is incredible. That thing sounds great. I have two of them, and they sound incredible. And what's great about that is you can rack mount them. You don't have to use it like the lunchbox style which has a handle on top. But you can use that. If you got two, if you got one Universal Audio 710, that's 800 bucks and that would get you far. Me and Daniel think that it's best to have one great mic, really like a good stereo set of mics and a good stereo yes. pre because that's going to get you really
1: far. And if, if you have nothing else, try and focus on stereo at least. That's going to get you gonna, really far. Yeah, it's that gonna, get, if you had two
0: mics, if you just everything. had two like 414s, right? Yes. That's well, two. I mean, even the 214s. I mean, if you had that and you got a good stereo preamp, like a Pacifica, like really nice one, you could record vocals, you could record acoustic guitar stereo or mono, you could record drum jazz, overheads, jazz, you could record drums, jazz yeah. drums, you could use them as room mics. A lot of options with a good stereo set of mics and a good stereo set of preamps. That's going to get you a long way. However, uh, most project studios don't have the funds to get something like that. So like we said, we suggest something like the PreSonus stuff or anything like that. You can look on eBay. You can look on Sweetwater or email us if you have any questions about this sort of thing. We can help you out with your budget. We've gone through all kinds of crappy equipment through our lives. And crappy situations and different We we paid way too much for stuff that was not worth it. And so we know a thing or two about that. So send us an email if you have questions. Recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com as our last topic for today is the signal chain. You want the signal chain to be as clean as possible. Now I don't need, I don't mean that like you want the signal chain to ha- have like no tubes or no yes. I mean I don't, we don't mean that. We mean it you don't want it to be complicated.
1: Theoretically, it should go mic to preamp to interface. It's in your best entrance to not make Bit more complicated than that. We suggest not adding compressors and EQs beforehand because you can't change that. Um, it's always better to take your original signal and reamp it through a compressor or whatever you have to do to get that sound. You send one, it example, out or stuff,
0: or use plugins or whatever. Yes. It's just best to avoid yeah. cluttering up your signal chain. Even um, if okay. your preamp does have EQ on it, by all means use it. But be extremely careful. Things like the Neve 1073, I mean, that's got EQ right on it. And that's one of the most used preamps in the industry. And as we said, it's expensive. However, try to be careful on the way in because we want... I mean,
1: all that stuff is practiced a lot, you know?
0: Yeah. They know what they're doing before they do it. The only other thing we can really say about the signal chain is that you want to use good mic cables and good patch cables. Mm -hmm. You don't want crap. Really, I mean, um, and it's, not also, so much that, it's not so much that it's mandatory that you get, like, Monster Cable or Mogami or something, but they're going to last a while, the warranty's phenomenal, and they do sound good. And just don't, the, the rule of thumb is just don't, like, riddle your, your studio with crap cables, just cheap stuff, because they fall apart and they, they short out and all kinds of crap. Just not good. Not good. So, that wraps up our talk on microphones and preamps and signal chain something really important we need to address and that is that I got my black line Motu back. And yeah, I know. We need some applause. Now, it is incredible. I mean, Daniel came over and we were listening to it and he noticed. Yeah,
1: immediately. I mean, immediately I noticed the, the, he had a he had a We were listening to some stuff. He had a compressor and EQ on it and I was like, yeah, we listened hey, take to this. Off.
0: We listened to these uh this quick acoustic Stuff st- some song I did with my new KM184s and with everything off. He was like, "Take all the plugins off." And he was like, "Oh my gosh!" That
1: sound it sounded much much better with plugins off. I mean, it didn't sound bad by any means with plugins on. <laughs> I mean, but I with... just did
0: a quick. I just used the uh, Waves SSL channel and uh, add just a little compression just and add a little top end, and that was it. I didn't take. I mean, that was it, and it. Seriously, the, the Black Lion mod with the micro clock is just amazing. The clarity from the recording, the clarity in the listening. I mean, the just listening to some of the mixes I'd done a long time ago sounded great. And Have you sent them an email? No, I'm going to. You need to send them an email. Yeah, like I'm going to write, write an time. awesome... and So look for me. Look for me on the Black Lion site. They told me a few weeks ago that they put my name in studio up there, so... Look for me on yeah. the site, and I want to write an awesome review because I'm just impressed. The company is amazing. They're really nice guys. They'll explain everything to you. And the mod did take a while, and it was. Re- and so some people might be like, oh, you're just biased because you haven't listened through your, you know. Yeah, that was
1: my first thought, actually, is I called him, I was like, eh, it's like a placebo. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it's like, it's you, like haven't, you haven't pill. listened
0: to your Motu in like two weeks, so you're probably just thinking it sounds great, but no, it's... It's noticeable you can really yeah. hear detail you can really hear just a different way you can hear it differently it's it's hard to explain and when it's recorded, the transients sound better the just the high end sounds better the low end sounds better. it really is phenomenal the difference it made and my mod and clock total was like nine hundred and eighty bucks and really. One thing that me and Daniel have talked about before is that your signal chain is only as good as the worst thing in the chain. So, if your microphone sucks and your preamp and converters are great, it might not sound that great still. Now, if your microphones are amazing and your preamps are amazing, but your converters and interface isn't, you're going to have to deal with that and it's really noticeable because, you know, it, even if this mod just made my incoming signals Five or ten percent better than what they were before, you got to consider, and this is something that we're huge on here at at a uh, recording lounge, because we we're really we're really big on making the best sounding tracks possible. And one of the ways to make sure to do this is to have the best individual tracks rather than you know just a good sounding overall mix. You want to have the best original tracks, and to say that I mean, if even if the mod made my incoming signal ten percent better, if you've got a production with like forty five tracks, a rock song. You're going to notice over time that that 10% adds up, and real quick, your song sounds a lot better, because just the little things like cymbals and acoustic guitar and vocals and things like that that really affect how you listen to music, things that you hear, things that stand out, I encourage you guys to check out. If you've got like a a 002 rack Pro Tools, or if you've got like Motu stuff, go and check out BlackLineAudio.com and... Just just read what they got to say. Hear them out because they do amazing work. All right. This is Daniel from Recording Lounge. And this is Kendall.
1: Thank you guys for listening. Send us your questions. We want to know everything you guys have to say about our podcast. Good or bad. Podcast. Good or bad. I don't care. I've been made fun of for a lot worse things and how bad my podcasts are. So <laughs> um, really won't be hurting my
0: feelings. You can email us at... Recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com or check out our blog at recordinglounge.blogspot.com Yes.
1: yes. Um, and that's a really cool blog, by the way.
0: Kendall. Thank you.
1: Who made that. Kendall actually made that blog and it's amazing. Not a scratch it. or anything. It's not, like, oh, no, he not uh, like bread. He, he cooked it. <laughs> he cooked I mean, it.
0: But over there, I just kind of ramble on about different things that go on in my daily life with audio and... Uh, recording and so we'll see you next time with episode 4 which is also episode 4 of the series which is going to be about something secret that we can't tell you about yet because we don't know because we don't know (laughs) 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 goodbye everybody goodbye